From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. And I'm your co-host, Uncle Funk, Larry Jones. And KG, you're looking well. Have you had a chance to get out and about a little bit, go Thank down you, to Galveston? What have you um, been doing? No, I haven't. I haven't. All you right. know, I um, just came off of a little weekend getaway a couple of weekends ago for my birthday. Okay. Uh, last weekend was was chill. I haven't... Uh, I don't have anything pretty much planned, but I will say one thing that I am very uh, excited about and looking forward to mm-hmm. on Friday, July 24th, there is going to be uh, an amazing virtual event. As a matter of fact, I have the gentleman on the phone who is going to be uh, spearheading uh, this event. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Robert Jackson to the mm. Public Affairs podcast consultant uh public speaker all around dope gentleman welcome to the podcast sir hey appreciate it appreciate being on with you gentlemen thank you so much indeed uh so tell us about uh, well first just give us a quick background of you let let, let the uh, people of houston and, and everyone else around the world uh know who mr robert jackson is Well, now, you know, I'm a national speaker and consultant. I do a lot of work in uh, HISD, A-LEAF, Spring ISD, you know, so I do a lot of work in the school districts. I was coming to Houston probably three times a month before the pandemic hit, but uh, my former background, I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana, Okay. Uh, grew up in the inner city, never knew my father, grew up in poverty and violence, best friend was murdered, Uh, graduated high school. Uh, went to college at Western Kentucky, played football and ran track there. Went to the NFL, to the uh, Vikings, and got cut. Nobody told me NFL stood for not for long, but I found out uh, <laughs> when I got in the training camp. Yeah. And uh, ended up hurting my knee, and then I ended up getting cut. And um, I started teaching and coaching in the mid-'90s in Indianapolis, Indiana, at Arlington High School. I didn't like the way educators treated kids. I didn't like the way I was treated when I was a student. I was a form. I was a member of the kids. I was one of the kids that got bust, you know, mm-hmm. to the uh, all white schools out in the um, mid '80s. And when I was in fifth grade, I just remember all the racial slurs and all the things that teachers were saying to us was inappropriate. So I positioned myself to go into schools and change the narrative, teaching culture diversity, how to work with kids who've experienced trauma, especially our black and Hispanic males. So my wife and I decided that we wanted to do something even more. So about seven years ago, we started the No More Excuses uh, conference. You know, Stand Up stands for Speaking Truth and Never Doubting Unlimited Potential. That's our 501c3. So we decided instead of complaining about what's going on, we decided to start giving back and doing something about it, you know, by providing an outlet for our young men who are dealing with trauma, who don't know how to cope with their anger and their frustration and all the things they deal with on a daily basis. So we decided to have the conference. It was a major success. We was having three or four or 500 young men coming to the conference. This year, we decided to go virtual. You know, instead of canceling the conference, we said we might as well go ahead and just do it and go virtual. And as you can see, the esteemed speakers I have on my panel. Oh, man. Um, man you we're going to be giving away favorites. scholarships. Oh, uh, yeah, it's one of my favorites, too, man. You know, I watched him for years, and – um you know, really good guy. If you talk about Michael Vick, you know, uh, Calvin, uh, Calvin Mackey is, um, you know, he does a lot with the STEM work around the country. Gary Brackett won the Super Bowl with the Colts. 
Mark Lamont Hill. He's a commentator, also a fraternity brother of mine. And Ernesto Meja, that is my Mexican brother. And uh, he helps me out with that Hispanic population. So we put a nice team together, man. We plan on uh, putting in work on July 24th with our men and our young men. Indeed. Is, uh, what, what's the age range for, uh, for the event? Well, we're trying to do 12 and up, but, you know, we always get moms call in. My son is 10. My son is 11. Please let him sign up. I need some help. So we're not turning them away, but we're trying to do at least 12 and up because of the maturity level of, of the conversation that we're having. But, you know, our kids are learning a lot younger, but yeah. we want to make sure if we, if we do have somebody who's 10, 11, we got to make sure parents are uh, participating as well. Yeah. Robert, it's Larry. Can you share with us, and, and, I, and I, I, I love what you and your group are doing, and I heard you clearly uh, in the early stages of your life with, with, with the racial slurs and things being said to you trying to, to deter you. But I'm curious, through your experiences through high school, college, and then that, that touch of the NFL, was it the injury to the knee that gave you the aha moment to think about what you're doing now, or was that always something in your mind to play later on after you finished your NFL career? You know, when I was in, it's, it's, it's a good question because when I was in high school, I would do a lot of community service, and mm-hmm. I've done a lot of community service in college. So uh, my, my goal was to play, in, play football for 10 years and then own my own boys and girls club and then buy me a string of hotels and retire, get me a couple of Coronas and go on. Not Coronas, not right now. Get a couple of Heineken. Let me correct that. Get like a couple it. of Heineken yes, or something and go out on the that beach and, 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 and retire. Yeah, let me straighten that out. Yeah, so, we understand. But that didn't happen, you know, because you want to make God laugh, tell him your plan. Sure. You know, Ooh, so sure. that was my plan. So, and if you plan, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So my plan was to do it that way. God said, I want you to do it this way. And I ran from it. I ran from my calling like a lot of people. And um, one day I just broke down. I said, I need to get this thing right. So it wasn't my plan to do it the way I'm doing it now. But, you know, getting injured, getting cut, you know, and, and really, you know, like a lot of men, you know, the trauma and anxiety that you deal with from being cut from something that you've been working your whole life toward. Nobody really tells that story about athletes when they get cut, what happens to them, the depression, the anxiety, the different things that you experience. So I just, you know, I was already broken. I was already hurt, but even while you hurt and broken, God can use you to do other things for other people. Yes. So, you know, started working with young men uh, in the mid nineties and wrote my first book called black men stand up in 2008. And um, since then, I've published uh, five more books. So, you know, just been rolling since then. I was just going into school systems and just trying to work with these educators and parents and students and change the narrative. But, you know, doing this conference, moving toward greatness, this virtual conference, doing this is just something, some icing on the cake, you know, uh, from what we were doing already. Robert, have you have you seen any growth from the seeds that you and your wife and your organization have planted? Uh, and I'm I'm real curious about your hometown of Indianapolis. What has that has that face changed since you were a young man until now, uh, a young adult? Well, I mean, it's changed quite a bit, you know. Um, but you know, as things change, we see a lot of the same. You know, it didn't take sure. George Floyd to get murdered for me to understand you know, uh, racial injustices, 
you know, I remember when Michael Taylor got killed in Indianapolis and when I was 15 years old and we were the same age, he was in the backseat of a police car and they said he shot himself in the head. Wow. In the backseat of a police car. Yeah. And you and I both know that's not the truth. And they rushed that, brushed that under the rug. Nothing was ever done about it. So, no, I've been fighting this injustice for many years. I'm 49 now. Mm -hmm. But um, I I just think that um, the changes, uh, when I say changes have been made, we're providing opportunities outside of just talking about it and giving uh, motivational speeches. I mean, kids need more than that. They need solutions. They need strategies. And what we focus on with our conference, we feel like for every problem, there's a solution. So kids say, I want to go to college. I don't have any money. So we raise money with our 501c3. There's no excuse for you not to be in college. So we're going to, we're going to provide some opportunities for you by giving out these scholarships. Well, I don't have a laptop. Well, we're going to be giving out some of those too. I say giving out. The registration is free. There's no excuse not to sign your son up, you know, because we're doing this for the community. Everything we get into the 501c3, we push back out into the community, and that's what it's all about. And how can they uh, sign up for uh, the conference? Well, they just go to the website, uh, www.robertjacksonmotivates.com, motivates with the S, robertjacksonmotivates.com. Click on Conference 2020 and register. That's all you have to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we got some big ballers and shot callers out there say, I want to give. We, we accept sponsorships. Mm-hmm. And we have several uh, sponsors this year. Microsoft has come on board with us, and we're extremely proud of that. Lilly Endowment, uh, Children's Bureau, um, so uh, my fraternity, Kappa Alpha Psi, uh, some of the Qs, the Omegas have come through, you know, RCR Technology. So we got some really, really uh, good sponsorships uh, this year, and we're trying to take everything we bring into the program and push it right back out into the community and not just talk about it but put our money behind it and our resources to help our young men become successes. Indeed. Robert, have you had one young man that you saw that you kind of like, wow, this, this kid may not make it, and then he turned out to be that shining star? Do you have one example you can share with our audience? Oh, my gosh. I got so many. <laughs> um, but one in particular, we had a young man who – came to the conference kicking and screaming, you know, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And he came in kicking and screaming, didn't want to be a part of the conference. His mother dropped him off. He had a bad attitude most of the morning. And once he got in and started going to the sessions and he started hearing young men dealing with some of the same issues he was dealing with. And his mother came at lunchtime because he told her he wanted to go home. And i never forget this. I was standing there. And she came in. She said, I'm here to pick up my son. He said he don't want to stay. So I said, okay, no problem. So I got on the microphone and called him. And he came up front with a couple guys he had met who he called his friends by that point. He said, I met me a couple friends. And he told his mom, no, I want to stay. Uh, Don't come back till 6 o'clock. I said, no, we done at 5. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and now this young man is, um, you know, he was in middle school then. Now he's in college. Mm -hmm. And I can't shake him. He stays in contact. Uh, he stays in touch with the program. And what we try to do, we try to keep a database to keep up with the young men, whether they get a trade, go to college, get a job, you know, whatever they decide to do. We try to keep up with them from the time they leave us and then what happens after that. So he's just one of hundreds of examples of success stories we've had. And he's in college doing well. And he attributes the program to uh, helping him out with his success. His mom said he never talked before. Now she can't shut him yep. up. <laughs> and, you know, so it's, it's so I told her good luck with that. But we teach 
we teach our men to have a voice and to control their emotions. Emotions are feelings on the inside caused by pain or pleasure that move you in a direction. I teach these men, you are in control of your emotions. People can do whatever they want, say whatever they want. Nobody controls your emotions but you. And that's what we brought home with him because he had out of control emotions at the time, at the time, like many men have at times in their lives. Mm-hmm. So we just try to bring that to the forefront to let them know that you can do all things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You don't have to be controlled by anybody yeah. or any demonic forces. You control your own emotions. And he's been doing that from that point to up to now. And, and Robert, we wanted you to share that experience because there are a lot of people, a lot of men with sons, a lot of moms, single moms listening to the podcast who hear us but don't always quite understand what the process is or what groups like yours can do and the success rate. So KG and I just wanted to pause for a minute, man, and say thank you. Give you your props now. And God bless no, you. No, blessings, man. It's all yeah. about God, nothing about me, all Without of him. A doubt. Without a doubt. And to hear those kinds of stories mm-hmm. and that success rate is what keeps us excited about doing what we do. Yeah, and speaking of and, the success rate, no, go ahead. Blessing, go, man. go ahead. Go ahead, Robert. Now, it's a blessing. We'll be doing it virtually this year because we can even touch more uh, young people. We already got almost 400 people registered, Good. and our goal is 1,000. So. Over the next two weeks, we plan on having 600 more men and young men, because it's for men, too. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of grown boys out here, and iron sharpens iron, and we need to sharpen each other. Indeed. I want to go back to uh, when we first started talking, um, and you mentioned how you were here in Houston uh, like twice a month, you know, working with the different uh, independent school districts um, here. Can you speak more on um, the uh, – the, the, the services that you offer these school districts, the packages and the, the, the presentations, like what, what is it that you are doing exactly uh, with these school districts? Well, um, I provide professional development for administrators and teachers and professional uh, staff. Um, I do a series of different workshops uh, with these school districts, whether I'm working with parents, educators or students. So, like I said, I provide, you know, cultural diversity training. Um, um, how to work with, um, with young men who've experienced trauma, uh, conflict, conflict resolution training, uh, bullying prevention, restorative practices. I've been getting into lately, getting into the social emotional learning, uh, working with kids who've experienced trauma and especially our black and Hispanic males. So I go into school districts and work with, uh, educators and administrators on how we can retain our kids in school, especially our troubles kids. Uh, how do we retain them in school? Well, it takes uh, self-care. It takes understanding the dynamic of what our kids are dealing with on a daily basis. Um, you know, our kids deal with many labels, being labeled as thugs and hoodlums. And we got to change the way that we look at our children. And we have to set high expectations. But more importantly, we have to expect them to do well. And I think that's important to point out, whether it's invisible, invisibilization or marginalization or pre-criminalization. Our kids are dealing with all these different factors, and we have to make sure that we understand that we are supposed to be leaders, and leadership uh, doesn't require a title, but everybody with a title is not a leader. And we have to make sure that we lead our kids in the right direction. (laughs) That is a bar right there. You're right. Um, I am interested to know your thoughts on they are pushing to get our kids back in school, um, even on the federal level, Um, so much so that the CDC has came out with guidelines to 
you know, hopefully safely um, have students and faculty and whatnot back in the schools. Um, the guy that is currently occupying uh, the White House said that he will defund schools. Schools will not get money if they do not open back up. I want to know from you, as an educator, as someone who is in the school system, in the school districts, is now the time? Um, <laughs> it's never the time to be bullying somebody mm-hmm. and telling somebody what they need to do when you haven't been down in the trenches working in this field. Huh. You know, we have uh, educators should be paid like doctors and lawyers. Uh, we out here doing surgery on kids and parents and dealing with all this stuff. And if you have never been in that situation, you can't be making those kind of calls. Um, threatening to pull funding from schools that don't open, that's a bullying tactic. And that's a narcissistic move. Mm-hmm. I believe that school leaders need to come together and come up with a plan, whether it's going to school or not going to school. We got to do what's safe for not only kids, we got to do what's safe for educators, mm-hmm. and we got to do what's safe for parents. My sister has had coronavirus twice, and she works in the medical field. She's in Indianapolis, and this disease is no joke, and it takes you down. She couldn't smell. She couldn't taste. Uh, she couldn't get out of bed for two weeks, and, you know, it really knocked her down to her knees, and uh, some people didn't get up from it, mm. and we need to take this thing seriously, and we have to do what's best for our children and keep them safe, but to have the supposedly leader of the country telling you that, we're going to pull funding if you don't open schools. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. But we are uh, excited. Save the date. Friday, yes. July 24th, uh, as the uh, Speaking Truth and Never Doubting Unlimited Potential presents the virtual conference Unity 2020 Moving Towards Greatness, of course, presented and hosted by the man that is on this podcast now, Mr. Robert Jackson, Jackson with yes. uh, Gary Brackett. You're going to have uh, Calvin Mackey, uh, Michael Vick, my my main man, Mark Lamont Hill, and uh, Ernesto. Uh, how do you say his last name, Robert? Magina? Ernesto Meja. Meja. Ernesto yeah. Meja. And, um, That's my Mexican brother. Yeah. <laughs> Dynamic speakers, uh, scholarship giveaway. Oh, yeah, that's right. You guys are going to be uh, mm-hmm. giving away a $1,000 scholarship um, on this Ten thing. Of them. Ten, oh, excuse me. Ten $1,000 scholarships. Uh, yeah, I want to make sure wow, you got that right. Ten of them, man. We're not playing around. This is not a game. This is real life. Man, that, that, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited for this. Uh, so make sure that y'all uh, log on to the website so you can register for it. That is Robert Jackson Motivates with an S. Robert Jackson Motivates.com. My man, uh, we appreciate you. And we're doing it from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., just in case they was wondering. 9 to 2. Now, is that Eastern or Central? We're Central time. That's that's Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. So for us, that'll be 8 a.m. 8 to 1. Yeah, to 1 1 p.m. Yeah, so 8 to 1. And I told told a mother the other day, she's saying, well, my son got basketball. I said, what is that teaching him? He can he can miss one day of basketball and learn something that's going to help him become a better man, a better husband, a better father down the line, uh, a better man in society. You know, we have got to stop. You know, look, I played sports my whole life. I ran track. I played football. And, you know, I got cut. NFL stands for not for long. I get it. Right. 
And sports is important, but it's not more important than his humanity and his manhood and learning the proper ways of controlling his emotion, controlling his anger, controlling every, the anxiety and everything else, and having solutions to those problems. I say you can take one day and invest in your son, mm-hmm. and it's free. Nice. Well, Robert, once again, sir, we thank God for you and your organization. We appreciate your family for lending us you for a couple of minutes today. And uh, we certainly appreciate you being a part of our podcast, man. This has blessed us, and I know it will bless our listeners. And you bless me as well. Continue blessings. Continue do what you're doing in the community. Um, you guys, I, I've looked you up, and you guys are doing some phenomenal work. And I just want to thank you guys for what you're doing as well. God bless oh, you. Man. God bless thank you, sir. You. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We will see you next week. Welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. Uncle Funky Larry Jones. We have on the phone line, Cormed, who is actually a proud sponsor of this segment of the Public Affairs Podcast. Yes. On the line, right. a team member, Mr. Darnell Jones, and, uh, and, and you've got the real team on the line. So go ahead, everyone, uh, introduce yourselves. I'm Darnell Jones with Cormed. A team member. This is Brandon Petrie, CEO of CoreMed Solutions. And Dr. Henry Burkholder. And Edis Hobson. All right, gentlemen, well, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast. Uh, so, CoreMed, proud sponsor of this segment. Tell us about CoreMed and, and, and what is it that you all do? Well, CoreMed is basically a cardiac screening company. And what we do, we basically go around to companies in our uh, RV and have a uh, have people come on the RV and do cardiac screens, do an echocardiogram, an EKG, and a cardiologist will read it, check their blood pressure also too. Yeah, I um, I'm familiar with uh, having an echo. Um, I actually, uh, well, <laughs> Darnell, we we we've talked. I mean, I've okay. I helped you. Uh, you know, we we we've been in contact, and so you kind of know uh, my story that I had open heart surgery when I was five. I technically have congenital heart disease, and uh, I had an echo yeah. when I was doing radio back in Cleveland. This was back in '04, and for those who may not know, echo was just like a, a an ultrasound of the heart, and so it was pretty cool. The doctor, you know, showed me where the procedure was and where the decron patch is, but. He told me, he was like, man, he was like, your heart is just as healthy as if someone who didn't have uh, this surgery. So uh, getting an echo is very uh, important, especially for those with heart disease, huh? Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry, Donna. So I, my, my question was how important is early detection for heart health? Yes. Uh, early detection is very important. We have kids nowadays playing sports or even just kids, uh, active kids. Basically, it's a large percentage of kids that have heart issues and that sometimes don't survive those uh, problems. So what we do, we go out to the kids as well. Oh, we have their parents send them, bring them up to the office to get these these problems checked out because a kid may have an enlarged heart or it may have a thickened heart, and that's what causes kids to collapse and pass out because the blood flow is not going to their body like it needs to go to. So what we do with the ultrasound, the echocardiogram, it shows a picture of the inside of your heart. And when it shows that picture, the doctor can tell what everything that's going on from from an enlarged heart to a heart that's uh, 
that's too thick and the muscle is too thick and it runs the blood pressure up. So kids have that problem and they're on that field doing what they do and, you know, they pass out and, you know, what happened, nobody knew that that was the problem. So what we do is early detections of it and see if that's the problem. And from that point, what we have to do to cardiologists, treat them, treat them as like they may have to come in every two months or so and, you know, get themselves checked out. So that's what we do. We just really want to be people's check engine light. Mm. And, you know, we do the ultrasound, the EKG, the blood pressure. And if we have to do the stress test, too, when they're active, doing uh, being active out there on the field, the stress test will help, too, with that. So. Hmm. You know, I find it interesting that uh, echocardiograms aren't uh, routinely offered, let's say, when one goes to get their yearly physical. Why is that? Well, because of the price, and that's where we come in at. We've dropped the price so low because this is usually a $4,000 test, and we've put it to like $200 to have this done. And, you know, we also accept insurance, so some people don't have to pay out of pocket at all. So we do this so these kids could get checked out, and the adults too, because I had a story. I have a story too with my father. Yeah, he died at a massive heart attack at 45, and he was basically what? working out at the gym. Yes, working out at the gym, and me and him were playing golf that weekend, and I went back to school, and he was like, he basically was like, um, he had, he said, I feel lightheaded. And, you know, his blood pressure was always a problem. And so his blood pressure was a problem, and I never knew what blood pressure meant. I was like, oh, what is that? You know, I'm a kid. So he was like, yeah, um, he said, son, he said, I-, I feel lightheaded sometimes, but I don't think it's nothing. I'll just lay down on it. I said, okay, well, hey, I guess that that's what you do. So, And as a community, we always do that. You know, we just like to rest on it. Right. But he was working out, and he – and he said he starts feeling lightheaded, and, and you know from that point he started to, you know he started to want to pass out on the ground because he was like so lightheaded. He had a lot of pain in his left arm, and that's when he had, you know, was taking him to the hospital, and that's when he had passed away. But if we could detect these things ahead of time, it's a lot of people that don't put the effort in that they put to getting a new engine for their car or getting their cars uh like uh, a brand new car whatever they have to do for their house or whatever it's people don't put that energy in that they put in doing other things before their body you know their body is a your body is your most important thing and your heart is the engine so what we do we do for the better of you to like make it easy for you when we have the RV come up to your job site because a lot of guys don't want to go get checked out by go to the doctor so we make it easy we come up to the job site have the RV we do the testing there and then also like I said for the kids the parents that's interested in having their kids checked out because this you people start people start having these problems at a young age and then it goes up and up, and, and it gets worse and worse. It's not like, hey, it fixes itself. You have to go out there and do that on your own and get that checked out. So what we do is just come in and be the sub, uh, backbone and the support you need for uh, getting your heart right and doing everything you need to keep yourself living years and taking care of your family and letting your family know just to keep ahead of, be ahead of the game. 
You're listening to uh, Darnell Jones with CoreMed, proud sponsors of the Public Affairs Podcast. And Darnell, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about the condition. Are we born with this? Does it develop? Is it diet? Is it, what is it? <laughs> it's a combination of all things because mm. it could be family history. And that's the number one cause of everything, family history. Grandparents could have had this. Uh, parents could have had this situation. It could just be passed down because my great-grandfather had it, which is my uh, dad's grandfather. So he had it, and he died at 35. My dad died at 45. So it just could be passed down. And also when you put have the family history and plus you have the, your eating habits are not as good as should be. But, you know, it, these things these things are what come in and combine together and cause that fatal heart attack you may have. So, You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We have the good people of CORMED, who is a proud sponsor of this segment of the Public Affairs Podcast. And Dr. Henry Burkholder is on. Doc, can you uh, explain it and, and talk about hypertension? It is, that's just the other name for high blood pressure, correct? Correct, correct. It's, uh, it's just the other name for having you know uh, high pressure in your arteries, uh, you know, in your circulatory system and eventually in your heart. Um, it's uh, one of these disorders that is a very slow but uh, an unassuming illness where uh, you don't even know you have it. And by the time you do sometimes, especially if you're not readily checking it at times, it can cause a lot of damage to the small vessels especially that are in all of your organs, including your eyes, your heart, your kidneys, um, and uh, all sorts of places in, in, your, uh, in your body that need that blood flow. When the pressure gets high, you're having damage at the end of those vessels. Mm-hmm. So, Doc, uh, this is Larry Jones. I was misdiagnosed with the, not the proper blood pressure medicine. Yeah. Uh, I, and and <laughs> I survived uh, 273 over one-something night. Oh, my gosh. You're about to pop. Uh, yes, you were about to pop. <laughs> and they kept asking, why are you still here? And I said, because God's got something for me to do. So here That's I right. am. That's right. So long story short, my day doctor came in and looked at my chart and he said, Mr. Jones, they're prescribing medicine for you as if you were European. That's correct. You're an African-American. A, a nasty hidden secret. I'm, gr- I'm glad you're bringing this up. Yes, sir. He said, he said, come to my office. I have three pills. I'm going to put you on an aspirin daily. You do this twice a day, and your pressure would be fine. Doc, this testimony is now four and a half years old, and I average about 121 over 78, 79 daily. Excellent. Like you're 16 years old. Yes, Excellent. sir. Uh, December, I went in for my annual. He said, he said, Larry, you don't look like a man who had hypertension ever. Your heart to begin with, correct? Correct, yes, sir. How does that yeah. happen, Doc? How do we get these these misdiagnoses? Well, you know, I'll tell I'll tell you this: you got you got a you got a two part issue there. Number one is our genetics, the map of our life, right? You know, the, what what God gave us, our building blocks, can often do things in people that leave no signs, no traces, until you actively search for them. And, and blood pressure is one of those things. We've all been taught uh, from the beginning that high blood pressure is from people not making the right choices in life, not dealing with their weight, not dealing with a lot of issues, 
But this is, this is number one, not true for a lot of people. And it just depends on what your genetics are. And you don't know what your genetics are because they don't give us the instruction booklet whenever we're born. And our moms and pops don't know, hey, you know, you, you may have this issue. Now, sometimes looking at your family history can help uh, give you a clue if you're going to have this. But high blood pressure, a lot of the times, especially in our, our people of color, you know, myself being half Hispanic, you know, I have a lot of skinny people in my family that all have high blood pressure. Mm. And, you know, on my Hispanic, on my Mexican part. And, and my, my, my brothers and sisters that are African-Americans tend to sometimes have higher blood pressures and look quite normal. And on the other end, I know a lot of people who are quite overweight and they have a perfect 119 over 62. So wow. it's one of those things that we, we like to tell you this is how you avoid it. And, but, but the real truth is many, many people just have the genetic building blocks to create it. And on top of that, all the medicines don't play fair. Mm -hmm. So often I'll have people come into my office who are on things like ACE inhibitors and some other types of medicines that might not be great for your genetic or even cultural background because some people are more salt sensitive than others. And in a lot of our foods and a lot of our cultural foods sometimes have a lot of salt. Sometimes they don't. It just depends. All different types of races and cultures. So the doctor really needs to customize the, uh, the treatment and the surveillance for every patient. And I think that's what we're missing a lot in medicine. That's one of our core values of core med, which is to treat everybody as one. There are no cookbooks. There are no predetermined recipes. We have to take a look at you, see what you're dealing with, you, screen you properly, hopefully before there's a problem. And then and come up with a plan that's individual for you and your needs and your genetics and your culture for you to be as healthy as possible because you are a perfect example of falling exactly through the cracks that the way we do medicine, you know, how we do medicine now creates these cracks. And you're, you're in a perfect example of that. And I'm, I'm so glad to hear that somebody, you know, individualized you and took a look and said, hey, this medicine's probably not right for your background, you know you don't look like you should even have this to begin with. So, you know, let's do this plan and let's do this type of surveillance and, and look, look at how you're doing now. You're doing great. And so how did the doctor even misdiagnose or, or prescribe Larry with the wrong medication to begin with? Was it a, a, a lack of him doing his due diligence as to uh, Larry's needs or did he just figure that one size fits all or where did he mess up with the malpractice? It's it's a combination of both. So what the funny part of it of it is, it's not even considered malpractice because the way we do medicine nowadays is to try to you have to fit it perfectly into a little box. And we try to force you into that box, and the actual we're all it, doctors practice medicine nowadays for the group, not for the individual. Mm. So when so they stick to these guidelines that say everybody start with this, everybody mm -hmm. start with this, mm -hmm. but nothing in medicine is everybody. And that's the mm. part that a lot of doctors don't understand, which is sure you have these guidelines, but sometimes you need to have some, you know, what I would just use a nice term experience. You need to have some experience to know that, Hey, this is the type of gentleman right here that one doesn't look like he has high blood pressure. shouldn't have it in the traditional sense. And two, uh, is uh, in African-American or Hispanic-American or certain Asian-Americans. And, and, and to have that knowledge and that training that we, although the worth of us is all the same and we are all equal, our bodies aren't all equal. And even between different races and cultures in that section, some of those people aren't the same 
or equal. So a, a good doctor is supposed to customize the treatment, but that's not how we're taught in medical school. We're taught to do cookie cutter protocols, stick you in the, in the, in, in the, in the box you're supposed to be. And until you bust out of that box, then we start then that's what, what happened with him. He had to bust out of that box to find out, like, listen, this is not working for me. Um, but that, that's not the right way to do it. That is, I believe, the state of affairs on how most people do it. (laughs) Like, like what if if he would have kept on taking his medication and, you know. Well, let me let me let me frame this for you, Doug, because what happened was the the first medication uh, I put on weight. I grew, um, became yep. lethargic, and I could not make love to my wife. And I'm like, this yep. is not good. So being, yeah, being the the knucklehead that I am, I'm not going to take any medicine at all. Mm. Well, that mm. reverse that reversed. you're be, you're, be, you're being you're being conditioned to be adverse. And and I mean, you got you're 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 opening up a big door here. You're seeing how far it goes through the community. Whenever you start getting people to get adverse reactions, and it just seems to happen to certain groups. Then the, the the community starts to say, well, what am I even messing with? This I was actually better off before. Exactly. So the doctor has to remain humble. The doctor has to recheck. The doctor has to listen to the patient because a, a lot of doctors have forgot the most important part of medicine, especially in 2020, is customer service. Doctors act like they're too good for customer service, but we're not. Mm-hmm. We have so much science, so much technology, so much info. Most of us, if we just put a little customer service in there, you're going to make your practice go to the next level. So and what they failed that. you on was listening to you. Mm-hmm. That's what they failed. Mm-hmm. And aren't yeah. you proud that CoreMed is a proud sponsor of this public affairs podcast? Yes. Doc, this is what we've been listening for because the community won't come see you anymore. We don't want to see you because we feel we've no. been lied to. Why we've would been, you? We've been mishandled. I mean, and, yeah. and, 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 and they treat us with less uh because they have this theory that you know because we're black and we have african descent that we are stronger and can you know take have a higher tolerance for pain and and, and all of yeah, that yeah and with and, that and 200 blood pressure you probably look better than that dude across the <laughs> table from you so, so what happens is doctors you know I, I i speak at medical schools at university of texas at houston and at uh and at baylor college of medicine and a lot of you know after i do my little after doing my little cardiology talks, I tell them, because I, I do a lot of, of uh, work with uh, athletes uh, from very young age to uh, professional athletes, actually. And I warn them of, listen, on this, on this junior of high school, this 17-year-old, this 16-year-old, on his worst day, he's going to look better than you in your best day. Mm-hmm. So start with that. Number one. So when he's having issues and he's telling you he's fainting or he's coming near fainting or his blood pressures, you know, he might be 16, he might be 24, his blood pressure is 165. You do not blow it off because he looks like he can bench press you across the parking lot. You cannot put that in there because everybody is an individual. We need to maximize all individuals. The problem is, is you very much, and there's no term for it in medicine, what you're describing. You're, you'll very rarely find it in a book anywhere. But the thing is, is, Whenever you are a fit or you're culturally referenced to be stronger or all these things, the doctor, you know, what I teach is these doctors have to put that behind them and understand you are doing customer service. This customer, it's like, you know, if you brought a Ferrari into, you know, uh, into, into Honda, 
And that Ferrari, you know, is just not hitting that, you know, 170 miles power to that 190 like you want it. The Honda dealer guy's like, what are you talking about? Like, that sounds amazing. You're like, but no, I'm a Ferrari, and I'm supposed to be doing this better. So the mechanics should be looking at the car and saying, okay, he's here to be the best Ferrari he can be. He's not, he's not a Civic. Mm-hmm. Civic is a great car, and you got to know how to treat Civics. But we got a Ferrari over here, <laughs> and so we got to deal with it. And it's not it's just it's just you have to. When I come back to that term, customer service, um, it, it doctors cringe at it. They think that they're not servants, and we are servants. We are consultants, so by definition, we are servants. And and they don't understand that there's a problem in front of them, whether it's real or perceived. It does not matter. It needs to be addressed. And you can't. You got to look past all of your biases and all these things, and not get emotional and not prejudge, and and take care of it. I wish I wish I could tell you most doctors were like that. We're not really taught to be like that. Hmm. So you know we're taught to kind of like just go off on pattern recognition. Well, the problem with pattern recognition is if you have all these prejudged patterns in your head, you're making stupid decisions. Well, I do want to so, give a shout you know, out to one of your colleagues. Yeah, I want to shout out one of your colleagues, Dr. Christopher Wynn. Uh, Chris yes. saved my life. He has your same attitude with customer service. And we want to say God bless you, man, because this is what we need to hear today yeah. for sure. So thank all of you all over at CoreMed Solutions, uh, Darnell Jones, uh, Dr. Henry Burkholder, who we heard, also Brandon Petrie and Evan yes, Thompson. We thank you all so much for coming on the Public Affairs Podcast. Thank you so much. And just and, and don't ever feel like you can't educate your doctor. Educate your doctor just like they educate you. Bring in materials. Talk to them eye to eye. They're a person just like you. Educate your doctor just like they educate you. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, CoreMed, for being a proud sponsor of the Public Affairs Podcast. And we'll see you next week.